Welcome to Transformation. This is farm broadcaster Don Wick with the latest edition in our podcast series. Transformation is made possible through a partnership by the Red River Farm Network, Linder Farm Network, and Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Numerous stakeholders have also provided support, including the Minnesota Farm Bureau Foundation and West Central Initiative Fund. Dairy farming is part of the fabric of agriculture in the upper Midwest. It's a demanding profession with its share of obstacles and successes. Mark Souter from Cannon Falls, Minnesota, is our guest. I've been farming since I graduated from the U in 1978. Um, Currently, it's about 280 acres, um, part of which I own and part of which my son Josh owns. Um, We milk about 350 cows currently, Um, buy all of our feedstuffs other than corn silage. All of our crop ground is in corn silage. Um, So you can imagine what uh, corn and beans are doing to our margins right at the moment, but, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. We're limited land base, and uh, neither one of us likes tractors. We like cows, so we decided to do the quote-unquote California model and uh, take care of cows and not worry about crops. There's no doubt uh, that milk check's been a been a roller coaster. Any uh, increase we've seen, though, it seems like it's been offset pretty overwhelmingly by what's going on in these production costs. Are you are you seeing that as well? April and May were pretty nice to try to catch up on a few things, um, but yeah, the rest of it, the the margins shrunk. They're right now. I think with today's price, we're we're floating probably fifty cents either side of break even, actually. Feed cost, uh, the big chunk of that, Mark? The feed cost is a big chunk for us, yeah. Feed cost, and, you know, since we don't do a lot of crop work, fuel is an issue, but it's not too bad for us. And, of course, labor costs have gone up. We have to stay competitive with the rest of the world. How are you dealing with the what we're dealing with as far as the price of corn, soy meal, those kind of things? We're just going hand-to-mouth. We uh, missed our good opportunities to lock in some prices last fall. As far as we're concerned right now, it really doesn't make sense to lock in these prices. Um, I think the upside potential is limited. Downside potential is much more realistic. So we're just going to wait until we see some better opportunities and then try to lock in some. We use uh, quite a bit of DRP, the forward um, risk management tool, and uh put a price floor on it that way. At least we know what our, our floor is for our um, income. That certainly helps. These interest rates, it does. Uh, they're on the way up as well. What's that do to try to deal with your buying power that you have on the farm? It's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference. You know, an operating loan is going to be a lot more expensive. Most of our long-term and intermediate-term debt is on a fixed interest cost. So it won't, for another, what, five years I think we're locked in yet, it won't impact us too badly, and hopefully by then it's stabilized out. And, you know, we've been, we've been spoiled the last few years. The, the interest costs have been unbelievable. Um, and uh, I don't know... For the good of the economy, if it's a good thing that they were that low or not, because if you've got investment money somewhere, that's not turning. You know, a, a CD or a 
anything like that really has no yield value. And personally, I do enough gambling on the dairy. I don't need to gamble in the stock market. No doubt. What's the what's the conversation like uh, with the lender when you're going through volatile times like like we're seeing today in the dairy industry? Um, probably not a lot different than when it was stable. You know, it uh, as long as you're trying to be proactive and get out there and lock in some prices and lock in some costs, um, it hasn't been a ne- it's not a negative conversation. So. And, you know, when you get down to it, you do a cash flow, and it's a, a by guess and by golly, and a month later you redo it and try again. You mentioned labor costs. That uh, Just just getting labor is a headache in, in itself, it seems like, for all of us. Uh, being competitive salary-wise has to be a challenge, too. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, realistically, I can't compete with the, the twenty-five, twenty to twenty-five dollar warehouse marketing and that type of thing, but I've got a really good group of loyal employees, and uh, you know, you pay them a decent wage and you treat them right. And uh, money isn't always the final answer. It's working conditions and environment and the job and things like that that uh, money can't buy for people. Mark, do you? Raise your own replacement heifers, or what's that kind of um, like? They're custom raised for me. Um, they uh, we take them, <clears throat> excuse me, wean them here, um, and then send them to a heifer grower. And they did have to bump us up. Uh, I think it was a nickel a day here last last month. So um, yeah, that's gone up too. I- grew up on a dairy farm myself and it seems like when that milk check was good we'd add cows and when the milk check was poor we'd add cows is that uh, a similar <laughs> scenario today or no um i i think people would like to but um so many of the cooperatives now have instituted a base excess program that uh you got to really put the pencil to adding cows if you don't have extra base to utilize um, right now I shift to DFA and DFA has a, a basic, they call it tier one and tier two pricing. And, uh, tier two is going to take a pretty good hit in for June milk and July milk. And then it looks better out in August and September. You said you've got your, your son farming with you. What, what's it Correct. like been, been like to be bring that next generation into, uh, uh, the dairy farm it's fun it's a lot of fun it's a challenge because you know as a producer or as a manager i'm used to doing it myself and uh i was blessed with having a father that would step back and let me make my own mistakes and that's kind of what you got to do with the next generation and sometimes it's pretty tough to bite your tongue and not get upset but the best way for him to learn is by doing. And uh, I'm blessed with a son that loves the industry, and uh, he's very bright, and he studies the markets, and uh, he's much better at that than I am. That's fun to see. It really is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And it's fun to see his kids starting to show an interest, even their own, 
they're only four, six, and seven years old, and then a two-year-old. I guess that's, you know, part of why you're doing what you're doing is giving them a chance to continue on. Definitely. As I understand, Mark, over the years you've had uh, a barn collapse, a tornado, yet those cows still need to be milked. Tell me uh, how you got through those kind of things. In 2010, we had uh, about a foot to a foot and a half of snow on the roof of our freestyle barn and had started to clean it off. And overnight, we got a half an inch of rain and uh, lost two-thirds of one side of the freestyle barn. We were really fortunate. No people got hurt, and we only lost five cows in the ordeal. It's a long process. We shipped a bunch of cows off the farm to neighbors that were willing to take them to milk them for a while till we could get rebuilt. We're fortunate to find contractors then that could... Uh, turn right around and rebuild for us. It wasn't like the the supply chain issues now were, uh, you know, maybe six months to get your rafters. We could turn it fast. And, uh, you know, gradually built back up cow numbers and production. And uh, the 18-1 has been a lot tougher to recover from. In September of 2018, a tornado came over the farm we didn't realize there was any damage to the freestyle barn itself. Um, we lost some trees and that type of stuff. But uh, in February of 19, we had another 100 feet or so of freestyle roof collapse. And when we started to try to rebrace everything, we looked up and realized that all of the rafters had been shifted about six inches from top to bottom. So... Um, you know, we braced up as well as we could and uh, fought with the insurance companies to prove that it was a tornado. Um, finally got that resolved, um, got our settlement done, and then uh, prices skyrocketed afterwards. So we were about 30% short on what we needed for our settlement cost. So you, uh, you talk to bankers and lenders and figure out how you're going to get around it and get up and running again. We're just just now really starting to get back into full production. Um, there was a long time when we didn't have much electricity up there, didn't have cooling for the cows. Um, days like the last few days that we've had, those poor girls would have been really suffering. Um, you know, fortunately, we got ventilation and everything again for them. So production's coming back to where it should be. Um, reproduction was probably one of the biggest issues for us, just Hot cows are not going to conceive. And uh, right now we're in the middle of calving 80 cows in about 45 days. Um, just because when it cooled off two years ago, everybody got pregnant and we're still on that cycle. Talk about a gut check, though, when you think of that barn <laughs> collapse and then uh, the roof collapse and uh -huh. then, then the, again just a, a couple of years later. Yeah. That's... yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. It's been a major financial hit. There's no getting around it. Um, but, you know, that's that's what we were dealt. Uh, we've got to figure out how to get around it and deal with it. Yeah, that's uh, all part of farming, I guess. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that that can be. So. It sounds like you're you're uh, you wouldn't have that optimism though if you weren't uh, still going after some of those kind of challenges, Omar. Right. Well. 
realistically, you have to be an optimist to be a dairyman today. You know, you have to, because there's the last six, seven years have been pretty tough financially. And uh, it's, excuse me, taken a lot of creativity. And uh, if you don't have the optimism, you might as well, you know, send the cows to the market and uh, find something else. Do you have people you network with or consult or where do you go for for help in a time Um, like that um well number one you talk to your lender you talk to your feed supplier you talk to neighbors um talk to friends um josh josh um graduated from cornell out in ithaca new york with a dairy degree and his younger sister also did so i've had two Cornell grads in the family. But uh, Josh has a big network of friends from around the country, actually. And, uh, you know, he tapped into their resources, too. That's great. Any other things we should keep in mind here as we're kind of talking about this industry, Mark? Um, I think it's a real bright future. You know, if you watch your expenses... You know, take care of the cows, watch your production. People are going to need milk. Um, the U.S. is going to become the predominant world player. New Zealand's limited. They really can't expand. They don't have the land base. They're starting to see the regulations for pollution and land use and everything else that we've had to deal with for a long time. Um, Australia is limited. Surprisingly, I think Argentina might be a big competitor at some point in time just because of the tremendous amount of grassland that they've got. If they go to the full New Zealand-style dairy, they could could become one of the major players. And I think over the years we can write off Europe as a competitor just because of the, the regulations that they're having to deal with. And you look at the Netherlands, who was a a major dairy exporter and the restrictions they're putting on farming and everything else that it's bright for the u.s our thanks to dairy farmer mark souter from cannon falls minnesota funding for this episode was provided by the usda national institute of food and agriculture a reminder you can hear all of our transformation podcasts online at rrfn.com forward slash transformation or go to the podcast tab at linderfarmnetwork.com. Transformation also available in all the other typical places you'll find your podcasts. As always, we'd like to remind you that help is available if you're dealing with a stressful situation. There's the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline, free and confidential. It's available 24-7. All calls answered by trained counselors. That helpline number 833-600-2670 or you can text 898211. Information is also available at minnesotafarmstress.com. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.